This is the Open to Alchemy podcast, and I'm your host, Lauren Ivey. I'm so excited to have you here joining these conscious conversations about the transformation that's possible for all of us. My approach to spirituality has always been part woo and part work. So in this podcast, we talk about all the incredible spiritual modalities and add in a bunch of practical things that really make it fit into our lives. I can't wait for you to join me. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Open to Alchemy podcast. I am so excited for this interview with Daniela Garcia. It is such a beautiful, inspiring, just incredible episode with Daniela, who is a serial entrepreneur. She is the founder of Fempire Threads and Podbooking, among lots of other things. And our conversation is really cool. We talk about the benefit of a positive mindset. We talk about the value of consistency and organization. We talk about ignoring critics. And one thing I did want to mention at the beginning is we have a conversation about Daniela's business, which is Vampire Threads. And in the conversation, we both use gender normative phrases like female and male. And I just wanted to make sure that I was clear about both of our intentions of speaking from a inclusive gender non-binary place and what we're really talking about is the feminine and masculine energy and not gender terms or identities and so you'll hear about that in the podcast and I can't wait to hear all your feedback and thanks for listening. Hi! Hi! (laughs) I am so glad to have you here. I cannot wait to hear about your Fempire thread launch. So tell me what is happening. So yes, we are launched. It is, uh, all products are now available, which is so wild to think. And like, you can go on the site and it comes up and then buy stuff. It's so wild. (laughs) That's incredible. So tell everybody what Fempire threads are is the brand where it came from and all your inspiration for that and i'm so excited too because i know i have a lot of listeners who are either starting product lines or interested in starting product lines and a lot of the people that i have on are practitioners or service providers so this is super exciting to get more in depth on the product side of solepreneurship Absolutely. No. So Fempire Threads, you know, comes from the concept of being a female entrepreneur, being a female founder myself, and being someone who is very ambitious and likes to surround herself with things that do serve me, you know, and like serve my mind. Um, I'm, you know, I've got a passion planner and I'm all about like, you know, motivation and just surrounding myself and my subconscious with things that, again, are just providing me service, you know? And so creating a product line of everyday items like mugs and even pillows and um, just like little things that you have around your home and around your workspace and canvases and things like that, that tell you 
just how great you are for what you're doing, support you and encourage you, motivate you, um, and also can help the people around you show their motivation and support for you too, you know, especially this time of year with the holidays and everything else. I feel like if I got a mug for my parents that's like, you know, startup founder, it'd be like, oh, cute. My parents, one, get it, and two, are like, like supporting me in it too, you know, and um, I'm even going to be launching bumper stickers for parents of female founders because I think about how parents of kids you know growing up get like oh my kid is an honor roll student bumper sticker and it's like yeah well my kid started a fempire so I mean (laughs) oh my gosh I love that and I think it's so interesting because I and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this about these messages of motivation or mantra or affirmations and how you feel that those impact you. I I feel like there's kind of two camps. People are super into it and they really believe in it and trust it and feel that it's helpful to them. And then other people that maybe you're like, I don't know, is it wonky? Is it hokey? They haven't drank the the motivational (laughs) Kool-Aid. Right. (laughs) No, that's so true. Um, I think I take from it the same study of thought that I always understood with like plants, like when you're helping plants grow, telling them nice things versus telling them bad things. Like I remember that science experiment growing up you know, you know, the science fairs and stuff. And I remember classmates of mine doing that whole, like saying nice things to their plants versus saying mean things to their plants and their plants that were told mean things were dying and the plants that were told nice things were growing. Um, and I just feel like our subconscious mind really isn't at that much more complicated than a plant in all seriousness. You know, like there's just those patterns in, in the universe around us that like, yeah, positive things being said to you and you believing positive things and you feeding yourself positive things absolutely has a co- compound effect. Like, is it the, the, the only thing that you need to do? No, you need to show up and work every single day, you know, and have those habits and routines and everything else. But I think if you're having those habits and routines, but you're telling yourself that you can't do it and you're not feeding your mind those things, that it it does have an impact 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's one of those things that it's like that muscle memory. The more you do it, the more you enjoy doing it, the more you believe it, the, the, the better you feel. And it's the same thing with signs and people say, oh, you can make anything a sign. Well, okay, but it feels better to make it a sign. So why not? If that creates that beautiful infinity sign or that, that feedback loop that's positive, like you're saying, how can that be harmful? Exactly. Like it's, it doesn't, it's never hurt anybody to have a surrounding of positivity and to have a mindset of optimism. I don't know anybody who's ever been like, I'm so optimistic. My life is falling apart. You know what I mean? Right. right. <laughs> I've never heard such a thing in my life. I mean, if it's out there, please tell me, cause I, I want to meet that situation and, and figure out that anomaly. But I've well, never... I think one thing that's getting attention now is this idea of positive toxicity, but I think that that goes along with spiritual bypassing and people that are all light and love all the time and don't want to do any of the inner work or 
feel very comfortable from a place of ascension talking kind of condescendingly or in a negative way to people that haven't reached their level of awareness or spirituality, which is obviously completely different than what you're saying, which is to just surround yourself with positive affirmations so that when you are feeling that negativity or you are feeling that doubt or because we all are going to experience that, why not have the positive reflection there as a reminder versus looking around and just like going further into that spiral? Exactly. And also it just feels like I can be in this negative space and then remember, oh, you know, that the way that other people view me is as this total girl boss who is getting all of this stuff and is achieving so much and is applying herself to get these things done. And, and I don't know, I just feel like if you're feeling down, if you've got ennui, if you will, like that's the French word for just being like in a melancholy feel of unfulfillment, you know, you just, you remember that like this too shall pass you are a whole vibe, <laughs> you know, you are too blessed to be stressed and, and keep moving along. You know, you had, you fell once. Okay, great. Like, you know, the saying is like fall seven times, get up eight. And it's just so much easier to do that when you feel like you are supported and you are loved. And I think that's also why I'm going into that route of like bumper stickers for parents and things like that. Cause I feel, I feel like we got so much more support and love from our families and our loved ones when we were younger for things that, I mean, sure, yeah, you being a great citizen at the age of eight was awesome, you know, <laughs> like, great, great for you, you know, but in reality, you starting your own online business, or you branching out and, and quitting your job and being a full-time entrepreneur and taking that leap to believing in yourself, that is such a larger accomplishment that gets so much less recognition from the people around you, and I just think creating a brand that supports that kind of just expression of love and pride to you because I feel like parents never stop being proud of their children I feel like it's almost just as hard for parents as it is for you know people growing up young adults growing up to just not be able to celebrate their children anymore you know like that's such a bummer no my kids are rocket science scientists I want a bumper sticker <laughs> right, right, yeah well and I think it's hard because if you have the entrepreneurial spirit or bug, then it can be, speaking from experience, it's just so part of your DNA. It's so part of who you are. It almost is at the forefront of, of my being in so many ways. And for people that don't have that and don't understand that fire in our belly and that mind that never stops coming up with ideas and that drive to build and create things, it can be sort of one of a few ways. It can be like, eh, who cares? No big deal. Like anybody could do that because it's not something they've ever tried or it's just something they don't understand. And so they could be encouraging people to take the easier route of just working at a business or, or people that are risk averse and don't want to spend the money and try to start something on their own. I feel like there's so many different objections and different ideas that people have about it until they themselves have been in it. That's so true. And it's such a, it's such an up and down kind of path to take in your life too that does kind of require that level of support. And I just feel like it requires, it's a lifestyle. It really is a lifestyle. And every lifestyle has that 
brand that speaks to that lifestyle and speaks to that community and tells them, hey, like you're not alone and you can represent who you are in your everyday items. Like if that seems, it might seem weird, but at the same time, it just feels also really right to like hold my mug that's, that says startup founder on it. And I'm just like, yes, yes, I can hold this. This is mine. And like, this is saying who I am in this world or like a part of my life that is so important to me and so significant to who I am. Like I think about like a mug that just has the letter D. Like, yeah, my name's Daniela, but the letter D does not express more of who I am as a person than startup founder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or or anything, any of the other things that I have, these little sayings and things like that. I just feel like they're so much more expressive of who these incredible women are that are out there just making all these businesses and especially in this post-pandemic world more and more women went into be creating their online businesses and their online brands and their own online just vampires left and right and it's so incredible and just being a part of that community and being able to provide something to it just is so cool yeah it's really incredible and it sounds like this this idea of entrepreneurship and founder and startup is such a huge part of your identity. And I'm wondering if that's something that was sparked at a young age by something external. Was it supported? Is it something that you always felt inside? Where did that come from? Um, I just come from entrepreneurs. Like my grandfather owned his own law practice my dad owned his own music label for a while and created his own like trading brokerage and stuff like he's always I don't think my dad's worked for another person in like my whole life actually so just entrepreneurship has always just made the most sense and I always knew it was a path I would take I definitely have like that corporate job and I, I feel like it's kind of like getting your graduate degree climbing the ladder at a corporation you know like you do it you get that experience you get to a certain point you get that title and then it's like I don't know I guess in my family you move on you start your own business but like you do get that experience of working for a major company and seeing those ups and downs but ultimately you work for no man you know <laughs> <laughs> And what do you think, based on all the different female entrepreneurs that you know, and I want to be sensitive in using the word female to incorporate and encompass and be inclusive of anybody that identifies female. What is it that you feel separates us from our male identifying counterparts? I think it's the one that we care more about building community around our businesses. I think there is always that level of like, the people that patron our businesses know who we are. I yeah, think. it's like we have a more personal connection to our businesses in some ways. Yeah, like I feel like almost every female owned company has an aligning podcast or blog or newsletter or the owner goes live often on social media or, you know, it's, you know who the owner is. The owner is a part of the company, I think, more so than mm -hmm. like male run businesses. And I also think that we come from more of a place of service. You know, like a female owned business, like the packaging will always be prettier or like there'll always be these personal touches or it's always going to be like returns will be easier or communication will be easier. Just like overall, it just seems like we're so detail oriented by nature, you know? 
and we're so people oriented by nature that I just feel like that really does come through when when a woman leads with her feminine energy in her business <laughs> which is like such a huge part of vampire threads is also just like supporting that that female essence that that femininity that really does guide you know a person in in business that mm-hmm. That does differentiate them, I think, from like the typically quote unquote like masculine, somewhat more competitive, aggressive, calculated mm-hmm. kind of approach. Yeah, definitely. So is that a clarifying point that the the female, is it about the feminine energy more than the feminine identity? I think so. I think it's that energy that like just really does you know that essence of femininity Mm -hmm. that magic of just like ah yes like you know I am woman hear me roar you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah very empowering yeah yeah and just always coming from that place of again just like wanting to build community I feel like every female entrepreneur I know also like wants to know other female entrepreneurs and like wants to have her tribe you know and that's just such a huge part of the experience too and so do you think that there are a unique set of challenges that come along with it we talked about some of the traits and attributes that make us unique, but what are the challenges that come along with those attributes? Cause I can think of a few. Oh man, I could, I'm not going to speak for like all women everywhere, but just for myself that I think comes from my experience as a woman is like one, just, I can be so all over the place sometimes. And I don't know if that's so much like me being a woman as much as just like my ADHD, but just like being like, oh, I'm going to have this vampire thread site, but I'm also, I also have an app and I have a sales agency and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? It's like, I find myself multitasking so much. And that is like a trait of like the female mind. I know that like, Mm. that's a big thing. Like men struggle to like walk and chew gum at the same time. Whereas women can do like 10 things at once. And like, that's like an attribute of the female brain. So like, maybe that is something that is like specifically female, just like we find ourselves doing so much um which can be a good thing and a bad thing you know it's just like it when you find yourself that you're doing so much and you're performing at a really high level it's great but in those times when you are feeling down or in those times where you're just like I'm burnt out like I'm tired like I can't I I did too much this week that can be draining you know right well if it goes into the people-pleasing column of well I have to be all things for all people and I find that a lot with the clients that I work with and helping to hone in and, and launch their different businesses that the whole process of niching down is a very challenging one because we want to be of service and we want to help everybody and we want to help people that don't even know what their problems are. <laughs> it's like, you don't have the bandwidth or the budget to help those people. They need to at least be able to know what their problems are so that they can be in the place of when a solution comes in front of them, they can make that connection. And yeah. so I totally relate to that. And I do think that we, as in, in opposition to men have a different way of seeing the through lines and being able to look at things from a different perspective versus more compartmentalized, which is again, both a positive and a challenge when it comes to creating businesses, right? Absolutely. And just keeping yourself like 
organized and consistent like that's like the hardest part i think most people will say it's like marketing or budgets or monetization well like all these other things time and time again the multiple businesses that i have built and scaled and ever over time what i have seen every single time is the biggest obstacle is consistency and organization and just because I can tell myself, yeah, I can make all those pieces of content that I need and I can totally do that interview and I can totally do that article and I can definitely send out all those emails. And then you actually get to the day where you have to do all these things and you're like, no, <laughs> I, I feel like you're wrong. in my brain right now. <laughs> um, I was wrong and now I feel like I don't want to do any of it. Yeah. <laughs> So what are your tips based on all of your experience in, in, to, in building and scaling to keep people organized and consistent? And I love, love, love that advice because I've been on a little bit of a soapbox lately about this idea of an overnight success really takes five to seven years, years. to get at the minimum. And so I've heard a few people lately talking about their overnight success, which happened between year five and seven. And yep. so their advice of the only difference between them and the other people who have not quote unquote made it to their level is the fact that between year zero and five, they showed up every single day when no one was watching, no one was liking, no one was following, no one was sharing. And that to me is so incredibly inspiring. And you completely nailed it, that that is the hardest freaking thing to do when nobody, when you're not getting that external validation, when you're not getting that outside support that tells you, this is amazing, or that's what's so helpful. And that's why I think your brand is, is so beautifully positioned because number one, we can't always depend on that outside support because there's going to be lots of days that we don't get that. And so we need to provide it and cultivate it inside, which if that comes from a mug or a t-shirt or a poster on the wall, amazing. And also just to encourage everybody listening that if someone says something, sends an email, has a podcast, writes a post that, that triggers something in you that inspires you, it is the biggest blessing to spend two minutes and write a message, send a post, send an email that said, as simple as I loved this or this mattered to me or this meant something, when I get those, I could live off of that for like a week. Like it's incredible. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I keep screenshots of them and I have it in a folder in my phone. And sometimes you just got to go through those screenshots. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's probably content in there for your next, for your next drop. <laughs> Seriously, probably. I should actually do that. I should go through that and, and use that for content. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think my biggest uh, pieces of advice are to schedule things out over the course of days. Like when making Vampire Threads, like I did, I at no point was it like, oh, I'm going to make the entire website today. Like, no, 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 I'm making the mugs page today. I'm making whatever is going to be specifically holiday today. I am making the post to promote those things the next day. And, and just scheduling everything out over the course of like multiple days. Give yourself time. Don't feel like anything is rushed. You're completely in control of time. 
you are completely in control of when things launch and when things go out into the world. Like if you have an idea, okay, great. Give myself the next six months to put it all together and make mm. it nice and neat and, and put together, you know, and really, if I'm going to launch a podcast, I want three or four episodes, you know, already made. I want to make sure this is a topic I can really show up on. I want to make sure this is a community that I really want to engage with consistently and get interviews for, like giving myself time and space to really get into a project before it has to like go out into the world. I love that. And I'm also going to ask you, what about my amazing listeners who are afraid to let anything out because they want it to be perfect and they want more time and the more time they have, the more time they're going to take. And so what would you say to those beautiful people? Oh, definitely give yourself a reasonable amount of time. Give yourself, if you have an idea and you really want to go for it, I say anything in that three, six, nine month range, like depending on how large of a project it is. And do not be obsessed with it being perfect, especially at first. Like one of the most beautiful things as a business owner, I think it's been my favorite thing. I think it's also the favorite thing for mothers with children is watching it grow. And really seeing that change and seeing those developments and and hearing the difference in your podcast that it's getting crisper and you're getting you know tighter with your questions and editing's getting easier and you're getting more impressive people to interview and just everything you know give yourself that space give yourself that space to really grow into it because that's such an incredible part of the journey not just for you but for your audience as well it's such a great joy to like watch it especially with tv series like watching them grow and you can see the budget go up next season and everything Mm. else you know and you're like like, man, this season, they were really, really good. It's such a great experience for everyone involved just to be a part of growth and to, to experience it and really do it. It's don't take your, don't take that away from yourself. Right. And until you put it out there, you're never going to have that. You're no, you don't start that growth, right? You don't start it. Yeah. That's such beautiful advice. And I think too, when you look at these brands that put together their social or their podcast or whatever marketing vehicle they're using and you think wow they're really top notch they're in your eyes perfect scroll back look back listen to six months ago two years ago they're for sure different than how they started and that's that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur and especially being a solopreneur that really wants to live in this mindful intentional creative space that you are going to change and so whatever you put out there is hopefully going to grow is hopefully going to evolve and transform as you do as you learn more as you grow more and as you connect with yourself and, and co-create or however it is that you're evolving your business. And so, yeah, I feel like I have been very fortunate to not have that perfectionist gene. I probably go in the opposite way a little bit where it's just like, I need it to move through me. So I probably go from idea to action more quickly than most people. But again, it's that I get so much joy from the process of creation that that is almost equal to whatever the product is, but that, but I wouldn't have known that until I started putting things out. It's so true. I always, I actually just released a reel. I want to say last week that said that, like just how, if you really want to achieve your goals, the number one way of achieving your goals is falling in love with the process of achieving your goals. Don't fall in love with the results of your goals 
because in reality, like that should be the last thing in your mind because it's the last piece of the equation anyway. Like be in love with every single step of that equation and it'll just happen to you. And then one day you're just sitting there and you're like, wow, I just scaled a $100,000 business in one year. I have no idea how I did it, but I loved every second of it. And that just means everything. That's just like the best feeling. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh my gosh. I, I can't imagine because I'm not there yet. <laughs> But I'm on my way. I'm on my way. It happened to me this year by accident. I didn't even realize it was happening. It was a bit, it, it was my very, very first LLC that I started three years ago called Indie Beauty House. It's a sales agency because for the longest time I worked in the cosmetics industry and I left my like job at a, at, in the cosmetics industry during the pandemic. And I continued to have those that client, I continue to have those accounts and everything else. And that agency got $200,000 this year for the first time. And I was just like, wait a second, did that order just do it? And I was just like, holy moly, I didn't even realize. But it was all these years of compounding and all these years of showing up, and all these years of just doing it and doing it to all of a sudden you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's insane. That is insane. And for people listening that feel like that is so out of the realm of their possibility, I'm, I'm so grateful that you shared that it was three years of work. And for a lot of people, it might not be the first, second, or even third business idea that they have. But if that fire is inside you, if you feel that calling, if you feel that, that dream and that desire to be of service through this work, whatever that work may be, then I totally agree that that process and that journey is, is the value. That is what we're supposed to be doing. That is the place of all the learning and all that expansion that we are here to be doing at least, at least in this lifetime. And so I love that reminder of not focusing on the end result because you're right. It is the last part. It's the part that we have the least amount of control over. Yep. And also how incredible that after three years of, and you're not really paying that much attention to it, that it just happened. And it, it was like, I mean, I say I'm not paying attention to it. Like I am, you know, but these are relationships and emails and people that I've been speaking to for years. And, yeah. and it's these orders that I just, you know, it's just reorders and it's gotten to this point where it's just compounded to this point. You know, I'm, I'm not doing as much like outreach as I was when I first started. Like at this point, I have these clients and they have their accounts and, and everything has become very automated almost to where you just don't even, you're like, whoa, it happened. I didn't even realize because it's just become a thing that I do now. And I just expect, yes, I'll get this order. I'll send this email. I'll send this invoice. I'll do this. I'll do that. And then boom, it's all compounded and grown to this point where I look back and I'm just like, wow, all those emails. That was great. <laughs> what a year. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And it's just now it's, it's giving me this new fire to scale my other businesses. And I'm like, okay, I did it once. I need to do it again and again and again, and just keep showing up and get, make my own automation and my own processes that make it feel like it just happened. So tell me more about that. What are the things that you like to automate and systematize? I know for a lot of people listening, 
like I said, if there's somebody that is a service provider or a practitioner, some of those things feel less in their wheelhouse. And I still encourage people that the things that you are doing all the time are things that you can create systems for. It's not like you have a factory that you're setting up or you know you don't have to have this incredible sales lead funnel if that's not something that is interesting to you or something that you want to be spending your time with, especially if you're not at that place in your business. But if you are continuing to write these same four emails, create a template. And then when you go to send an email, pick from one of the four that you've already written from, for example. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely email templates and just also setting yourself up with reminders. If you're in a service kind of focused business doing follow-ups, with the people, like the relationships that do monetize and do give you those returns, you know, is really important. Give yourself that reminder, like every two, three months, you're going to reach out to this rep, you know, or this client or this prospect. Um, and just making sure that your follow-up process is very automated and like your reminders are very organized to touch base with people. You know, if, if it's not this season, but it's next season, if you know that every fall, this one client needs your services, or if you've got those, those relationships that are the backbone of your monetization, make sure that those follow-ups and make sure that those touch points and you make sure, you know, their important dates, you know, their birthdays or anniversaries, things like that, like automate your calendars mm -hmm. for those relationships that bring you the most value. Because nurturing those relationships are the ones that they multiply. You know, a lot of these accounts that I've been working with, I've been working with those, these last three years and they've multiplied every single year. I don't think right. I got that many more orders this year as I did just get larger orders. I think that's such great advice. And it's so grounding to hear because I think we are often conditioned to chase the next big thing, to keep our eyes on the future, whether it be, oh, now I have to do a reel or now I have to do TikTok or now everybody's on Pinterest, whatever the next thing is. And then we neglect that we hopefully are building a community and it's nurturing the people in your community. It's really valuing those relationships. I would say to people too, even how much work have you done to speak to your target audience, whether it be people that are currently in your community and picking up the phone or sending an email and say, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes and I'm happy to do it in exchange for something. But most of the time people are so happy to share their experience. What do they need? What are they looking for? What are their challenges? What would be an incredible thing that would make their life easier? And again, whether it be people currently in your community or a network of friends, or if you're in a Facebook group with people with your perspective community, those those intimate details, nothing compares to having that level of information when you are trying to truly be of service to people. It's so true. And also just, you know, a simple message of, hey, I was thinking about you or, hey, I just remembered that it's your anniversary. Happy 20 years with your, you know, your spouse, your partner. Like all those things are just so human and so thoughtful. And that's a person know that you value them and you value the relationship that you have with them. And that that relationship is, again, is human. You know, it's not just, oh, did you get that invoice I send you? It's, hey, I recognize that you're a person on the other end of that screen. I see you. I identify with you. Um, and like. I think more of you than just, you know, dollar signs. 
Yeah. I think that's so important, especially for a small business owner. It's so important that you are human and they know that you are human because like when you treat another person like they're a person, they treat you like that same way, you know, and that identifies that that brings just that humanity to that brand name, to that email. Every time it comes up, it's like, oh, yeah, Daniela, she's so nice. You know, it's always it's always a pleasant exchange. It's not something I'm I'm not dreading hearing from her today. You know what? What new brand is she representing? What else has she got going on? You know, things like that. I love that you're sharing this and it's really resonating with me because I think so often as we are in this place of coming up with business ideas or trying to grow and scale a business, there's for some people this idea that they want to be seen as bigger than they are, right? You want to be so buttoned up, so professional. It's almost like that Wizard of Oz analogy where you want to be the wizard and you don't want anybody to see what's going on behind the curtain. And so your advice of bringing humanity to it, letting people know that you are a single solopreneur behind the scenes and picking up the phone and writing the email and making that human contact, I think there's an element of showing vulnerability that some of us don't feel comfortable with that maybe you want to put out that you are this, again, this big buttoned up professional brand and you have a team of people working behind the scenes. And I just love that guidance of if you want that human connection, you have to show your humanity. Absolutely. And don't, I, I have made many a random unprofessional error I'm thinking of so many and every single time I've just owned it and I just made it a part of the story. There was this one time with pod booking, which is uh, the app that I founded that we, I was doing the launch. I was doing all the posts and I was like, you know, launching in three days and accidentally autocorrect turned it to laughing instead of launching. Oh gosh. And like, it was out. There was nothing I could do. It was out in the world. Somebody pointed it out. I shared the post to our story, underlined the error and was like, well, I'm launching about this. Right. (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. And, and just owning it, being human. And and then I shared it onto my personal page too. And I was like, so CEO lesson of the day. Right. Right. Spell check. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I even turned it into a post for LinkedIn. And I was like, you just own it. This is a part of the process. This is funny. This is human. Yes, I did do this at 1130 at night because yes, I do have a day job. And yes, I am batching my content and and I messed up, you know, and it's just okay. Like people, people didn't even notice it. You know, people responded to the story and were like, I didn't even see it. Right, right. Well, that too is the, the, the time and the energy and the attention that we pay to, of course, what we're creating and our little spirit baby work work products is never what somebody else is going to be paying to it. So even if you do mess up, I love that. Well, a lot of times people don't even realize it. Nope. And then just own it. I've just made it a part of who I am. Every time I have like a serious error, like even emails and stuff randomly in my story, you'll see I shared an email where I sent it to the wrong person and the name's wrong or something. They're just like, oh, CEO error of the week, (laughs) you know, and just like let people know, hey, this process is filled with ups and downs and just keep moving. It's okay. You are human. They are human. And if anybody is looking at your business with a microscope for error, 
they have an issue. Like they need to get their own life. No one is doing that. Like no one is that obsessed. You know what I mean? Right. With what you, like what you've got going on. If they're, if they're your target audience and they like what you've got going on, they really don't care. And if they're not your target audience and they're looking at it to mock it, like that's their own issues going around in the world, just spreading negativity. Like get a day job, get a hobby, like get a girlfriend, (laughs) get a dog, get a plant. Like you need right. something else more fulfilling in your life if you have time to sit around and judge entrepreneurs for putting themselves out there. That's insanity. If we actually think about what our biggest fears are and just how much effort it would actually take from other people to meet the expectations of our fears, we would realize how nonsensical they are, you know? Mm, but based in some deep-seated need or or fear like you're saying for what if people make fun of me what if people see me and don't think I'm smart or don't think I'm good enough or I mean I think that that's a big part of this entrepreneurial journey is you are sharing with people and that's incredible because it feels so just just beautifully divinely guided and inspiring And it is also scary because you are afraid of being judged or being looked at in a certain way. I mean, that's definitely something that I have have experienced and continue to work through, especially, and, and I would say this to people too, that you don't have to be vulnerable in a way that makes you uncomfortable. I think that there's a fine line. And I think that there's some brands and there's some influencers and people that really make that part of their brand image, their brand personality is to share all the mess and to really be completely exposed. You don't have to do that to be successful. (laughs) So if that is, it is not calling to you and that's something that is something you can work up to. That is something that you can work your way into. If you choose, if you don't choose, you, you also don't have to do that. It could just be that you are selling a product or selling a service and it's something that you love and it's something that you're good at. And it's something that you feel called to. It does not have to be all about you as the person behind the brand either. Oh, no, no. And it doesn't, I, and I hope people aren't thinking that that's what I'm saying either, because I'm definitely not the center of any of my companies at all. Um, because ultimately it's the brand itself, but just always have your little piece, like go live once a week, go, if you have a a newsletter, have a section, you know, a CEO section. If you have a community on Facebook, post every once in a while, like it is important that people do hear from the owner, but your brand and your product is its own standalone thing. And like, let it sell itself for sure. However, also just, if somebody doesn't think you're smart enough, if somebody doesn't respond well to you, if somebody doesn't, you know, like you, that just sounds like that's not your target audience. That sounds like you're, it's not who you're trying to reach anyway. You know, I think at the few times people have like, you know, early on people criticized that the waiting list for pod booking was a MailChimp site. And I saw people on Reddit talking about it and I screenshot it. I was like, that's so funny. And then I looked them up and they weren't even podcasters. It's like, who are you? I don't even care about your whack opinion. <laughs> like, you know, be somebody in podcasting and then say something. Everybody who was in podcasting was just so excited for this new space 
that was for them, you know, that was serving their community, that they didn't care. They were podcasters, you know, they were their own small founders. They were using MailChimp. They were using these tools. So I was speaking their language and, and using, I was showing that I was a part of who they were, you know, and that, that attracted my audience. And more times than not, you're going to find that the critics are not who you want to sell to anyway, are not who you want to work with. If they're not excited for your brand, if they're not excited for your voice or your products, it just sounds like they're not your audience. And that's fine. It's a, it's a planet of almost 8 billion people. There's going to be a lot of not your audience, you know? Right, right. right. You don't have to be for everybody. You could not possibly be for everybody. No. You just need to find your your group, your crew of, of fans and supporters and right, build those relationships with them. But I think it can feel daunting when you're starting to think about, I need to hit this number or I need to have this many number of clients or how am I even going to find my people when it does sometimes feel like is every business sector saturated, which is obviously completely untrue because like you just said, there's 8 billion people. So there, there's no, <laughs> there could be a billion businesses that are the same of you and there's still, there's room for you. Yep. I have this, um, like this philosophy, I guess, if you will, around the bread aisle. Like if you've been to a bread aisle in the grocery store, it's an entire aisle of bread an entire aisle of different companies making the exact same product right. in so many different ways that it takes up an entire aisle in a grocery store, just that whole wall. And they're all doing it. They're all, they're all multi-million dollar companies. Like they all have these, these massive distribution contracts and they're all making bread in more ways than one, you know, both literally and metaphorically. And they're all doing the exact same product. Toothpaste. You know how, you know what the odds are of you meeting another person that uses the exact same toothpaste as you? There are so many different types of toothpaste on the market. It's insane. Like finding another person that uses the exact same flavor, make everything. It's got to be like one in a million. There's no way. <laughs> like Crest alone has like 40 SKUs. It's insane. Right. You know, like there is something for everyone. There's a buyer for every product. There really is. It's there. You have an audience everywhere you go. If you've got haters, you're doing something right. If you got lovers, you got, you're doing something right. <laughs> That's such beautiful advice. I think that the, the number one thing is that if you are solving a problem, yeah, then you will have an audience. Yeah. And that's also a challenge for people to really hone in on what it is, what is the problem that people have and how they are a solution to it. And that's a big journey in that entrepreneurial process because you might think it's this, you might think it's that. And again, back to circling back to what we talked about earlier, until you put things out and until you start trying and until you start getting that feedback, th then it's just in your mind. Then it's just an idea. Then it's just a possibility. But once you start talking to people and once you put it out there, that's when you get that incredible information. And so I have really stepped away from failure as a concept. I'm like, there's no failure. Good. There is just, it's just information. It's just, you try something. It's either you get this type of information or that type of information. And then from there, it's like a next decision tree on your, on your path of what to do with that information 
how to pivot, how to change, how to incorporate, how to ignore. I mean, there's a million different ways to go with every single thing that you get. Now, I've been making a joke for years that entrepreneurs are just the scientists of business. Like we're literally just doing trial and error, trial and error, trial and error over and over and over and over again to see what works and what sticks and then making YouTube videos to share it with everybody else. <laughs> you know, it's so true. And I think unless you have that mindset, which clearly you have such a positive, empowered, enthusiastic mindset, it really needs to be at the, the forefront of everything you do as an entrepreneur. Otherwise, it is very easy to get discouraged. I, I want to be sensitive to the people that are listening who are feeling that doubt and are feeling that lack of clarity and feeling like they don't have it all together and they're not sure because I, I just, I know that space so intimately and I love that you're coming in with the energy of having been through that and gotten to a place where you're your vision and your confidence in yourself and your mindset is such that all of those things can be true and you're going to keep going and you're going to keep tackling yep. it. it. You really do have to have that and mindset. And, and give yourself the space to feel that way. Like if you're feeling doubt, if you're feeling down, if it's, if it's that time of the year, I don't know how else to put it. If it's just that time in your journey, Give yourself that space and even be honest with your community. Like this year was really rough for me. I'm going through a divorce and I shared that with my community. You know, I was telling them like, you guys might've noticed that my voice has kind of changed in the newsletters and just my engagement on pod booking had gone down and everything else. And it's like, you know, I'm going through a divorce. It's really tough. Um, but I feel like I'm getting better. I feel like I'm showing up more. I feel like I can step up again and continue to add more to my plate and just being that human and, and understanding that the people that are following you, the people that are part of your business, the people that are supporting your business are supporting you. And they're going through their own challenges. They're going through their own seasons and, and they want to feel like they can have the space in their season too. You know, so beautiful. It's so wise. <laughs> thanks <laughs> thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your just incredible entrepreneurial energy with everybody Ooh. tell yay <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you in your many many business offerings Yes. Yeah, so I would say follow me personally on Instagram because there's links to everything on my on my bio anyway um, so Danny, D-A-N-N-Y dot S-A-N, San dot Diego. That was way more prevalent when we were allowed to travel and I used to travel all the time. So yeah. it was like, where in the world is Danny San Diego? Um, but now she's in her apartment all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but the branding is done and here we are. <laughs> So it. that's the best way. And that way you can also follow pod booking and Vampire threads and the link to Vampire threads is also in the, um, about me of my profile. And I will link to all the things as Yay! well. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to the open to alchemy podcast. You can find more about me on all the social places, Instagram, Facebook, clubhouse, at open.2.alchemy, 
That's open, the word T-O, alchemy, or at my website, opentoalchemy.com. See you next time.